I hope you're doing well. You stay up for the game, watch the lightning game. I didn't. Well, I was up at 5.30 in the morning because my daughter had a mandatory meeting. What work does that? It's 6 a.m. But hey, that's all right. I'm not bitter. I love you. I'll do that for you. Anyway, so, so I, I was out. But it was fun to wake up and, uh, and to see that uh, we, you know, we pulled it out. So how many did stay up all night and watch that? Watch that. There you go. That back row, I knew they did. There it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <clears throat> Doesn't surprise me at all. But you know what? It's, it's just so much fun to see what God is doing. And I'm going to continue to share what God has just been burdened my heart with, to see really growth in your lives. And I believe God's going to do that. I believe this whole series I'm talking about, Summer Surge, is God just teaching us, saying, okay, how do I get stronger? Because it's easy to get satisfied. It's easy to just settle in and say, well, this is who I am, and this is what I do. This is, this is, yeah, I got this problem. I'm dealing with this. No, 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 no. God has more for us. God has more. And, and I believe that's important. You know, uh, advertisers, they go out of their way. I mean, they millions and millions of dollars to find just the right slogan, just the right thing, just the right uh, idea to convey so someone would buy their, their product. And on that line, I, I, I came across one that I thought, you know, <clears throat> it's a really good one, and I'm not stealing it. They stole it from us. It's Cheerios. Come on. Nothing more American than Cheerios, right? So Cheerios has this, it's a little distorted picture there. It says, we're better together. <laughs> we're better together. And, you, and, and, and they're talking about what is, what is better together because they take, they take uh, chocolate and peanut butter. How many know that's a good combination, okay? So, and they say, we're in, but the idea is bigger than that because I think they actually took the idea from who we are. They actually took the idea from what we are supposed to be together. We are better together in a way that I don't think we really understand yet. I think we're still walking in that revelation of, of what does it mean to be better together? What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to understand how we relate to, to, to one another? You know, in the Bible, there's a, uh, when Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Now, the first thing you need to understand is the church is not defensive. We're on the offense. <laughs> we go to the very gates of hell. Why would we go to the gates of hell? Because there's people in there we need to pull out. There's people in there that we need to go in there. But when Jesus said that, you know, he was, uh, he was probably, uh, most scholars believe, speaking Aramaic. That was a common language, although he would know, very familiar with uh, Greek and, and uh, probably Latin, all of these, Hebrew, of course. So there's a word there that, that is used for church. It's called ecclesia. And ecclesia, not to try to impress everyone, it's just everybody that knows anything knows ecclesia, right? So... Ecclesia means church. That's what we interpret as church. But it was used long before Jesus used it. It was just a Greek word that meant, okay, this is that group of people hanging out. <laughs> this is that group of hanging out. It's a very common word, actually. It wasn't a rare word. Jesus didn't use it for the first time. But Jesus did something very different with it. He reinterpreted it. He, he changed it. He infused it with something that changed this word forever so that now you can't just say, hey, I'm going to church. We're going to hang out over here. It means something different. Something changed. It's, it's what I call community cubed. Community cubed. That's who we are. 
Just another name for church. We are Community Cube. And you say, well, Greg, what is Community Cube? Cube means, you know, have the little three at the end of it. And that means anything, any number multiplied by itself three times. <laughs> so any number multiplied by itself three times is cubed. And I believe we are, we are Community Cubed. We are infused with the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a day in, in, in church liturgy that we celebrate the Trinity. <laughs> and, and, that, and the Trinity is, is something that's important. But I believe that we are Trinity cubed. We are infused. We are not just a people bunch of hang out together and say, hey, this is cool, or aren't we f- having fun, you know. The, we are so much more than that. Because when Jesus said, I will build my church, he put Christ into church and changed it forever. Changed that word forever. Changed you and I forget, uh, forever. And not only uh, changes, but changed how we interact, how we uh, live together. It is, it is, it is Trinity um, cubed. It is, it is the boost. It is the surge that changes all of us from individually just being, this is who I am, I'm trying to find God, to... to being together, meaning we are better together. So this morning, I, I just want to talk to you briefly about how do we take that next step? How do we get, have that boost in our spiritual walk? How do we find that surge for this summer in what we're trying to do? And I believe it's understanding we are community cubed. We're better together. You are better in your walk, in your life, in your spiritual relationship with God together. You are better connected and the Bible goes on and on, and I can't get into all of this about how we're a body. You know, the hand needs the foot, the foot needs the eye, the eye needs the ear. And each, each aspect is important. Each part is critical to understand. But all of this forms together in understanding what God has done. Now, the Trinity is a, just a theological term that we came up with to try to express who God is. <laughs> Which, by the way, just going to let you know, is a hopeless cause. Because if you, the Trinity expressed that God is God the Father, God is Son, God the Holy Spirit. So they are one, yet they are three persons in one. And any illustration that we have, no matter how fancy we think we get with it, every illustration breaks down. You say, oh, it's like a three-leaf clover. Yes, but no. <laughs> because each leaf is separate, and they're not together. They're connected by a stem. That's not the Trinity. It sort of gives us the idea, but it's something so much more. It's something so much greater. In fact, there are, there are uh, in, in the early 1800s when they really started to, to, have, to have an understanding of this theology, and even going back to the church fathers, they were trying to figure out how to do this, and a lot of leaders just said, don't even explain the Trinity. Just tell people what it is and move on, <laughs> because whatever you do is going to be sacrilegious because it's going to be wrong. <laughs> It, you, you can't do it. It's the mystery of God, and that's the exciting part. It is the mystery of what God is doing inside of us. It is the mystery of community. See, we are community cubed. We are the C3. We are community uh, together. And it's, it's manifested everywhere. I mean, I can't go into how many threes there are. We're body, we're soul, we're spirit. God said, let us collectively make God, one God, make, uh, but he made man. So he made, let us make God, uh, 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 make man. <laughs> so, there, I mean, you're, there's height, depth, width. Everything is under, it, it just goes on and on and on and on. You can get lost in the number of how many threes that are out there everywhere. But the point to understand all of that 
is to understand the power of what that means into our life. Do you realize, or maybe if I ask you, what was the first negative, not-so-good tone that you find in the Bible? Of course, it'd be in Genesis. Of course, it'd be in the first uh, few chapters. So some of you might think, oh, well, that's where Adam and Eve screwed up and messed up my life forever. <laughs> it's convenient to blame, uh, which is a popular thing about now. But you blame others. You think it's that. But how many would be surprised to know that's not the first negative thing that happened? God started creating creation. He said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is real good, this is good, 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 good. And then he got to something and said, it's not good. This is not good. Because when he made man as a community, God is community fulfilled. And we, when he made man, all of a sudden he realized it's not good for man to be alone. The first time that in the Bible that, that anything negative happened, it was in the fact that they weren't in community, that man didn't have community. So he created Eve. Now, some women would believe that man looked and said, oh, that's not good enough. Okay, that's good enough. He made Eve. But the point is, is that, come on, that was funny. It's okay. The point is, is that man became, humankind became community, and husband and wife and children. Because God wants us to live in community. It's always about understanding community. And your personal surge. You see, we, we, we forget this. We think, I just got to pray more. Good. I got to study more. Better. <laughs> I got to be at church all the time. Even the best. <laughs> Sorry, this pastor came out. But the point is, in all of that, in all of that, how do we get stronger? And it is an understanding of doing all of those things and at the same time understanding how we relate to one another. How I'm stronger because of you. And you are actually stronger in your work with, walk with God because of me, because of us, because of everyone around you. I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture that I think will really help us understand what I'm driving at and what's important for us to grab a hold of today. In John chapter 16, actually it starts in verse 12, Jesus said, man, I got things to tell you, but you can't handle it. Now that had to be depressing because they're trying to understand the Disciples are just bringing their mind around, but he says there's things you just can't get yet. Now, the reason I start with that is because then he goes on to tell them what they can understand, okay? So that's important for us to understand. Jesus said, there's things I want to tell you. I wish you can understand. I wish you can grasp it. But it's sometimes you just think it takes time for us to, to understand what God is doing in our, in our life. Uh, I, I'm struck by the fact that... Um, uh, you know, these universities now are all very woke and all very cutting edge and, you know, equal rights and all that. And I, I understand that. That's, that, that's cool. Uh, except you realize it wasn't until 1969 that Princeton even allowed women to walk in their doors. They, could, they weren't even allowed to go in they were, uh, to be a part of, of the school. Now, would you think, well, yeah, they're, they're cutting edge in 1969. But you realize that the Bible teaches us, Jesus taught us about we're neither male nor female, we're neither uh, Jew or Gentile, that there's an equality 2,000 years ago, and it took them that long. So if you're, not, if, if you're trying to understand some of the things that God is doing, come on. God, come on, allow God to move in you. And that's part of what this process is, is allow God to tease us to understand. So he said, there's things you won't get, there's things you won't understand, but you should get this. So in verse 13 of chapter 16, he begins to say, hey, when he, so he's talking about the comforter, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Now you think, what does all that mean? What was Jesus trying to really help his disciples understand? And I believe this morning, God wants us to understand about community, about community cubed, about being together and how we search for, uh, forward because of what God is doing in our life and the, the things that he's working in our life. How do we become stronger? See, the Holy Spirit was working this community cubed. He was working in that. Now, put the scripture back up, if you will, for me, Jared. The, he is working in, in this. He says he, the spirit of truth, so he is the truth. Man, we, we struggle with truth in our society today. And some people saying this is true, this isn't true, and whatever. And it just seems they have been lost out there. But the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is all about truth. So what does that tell us? You can trust him. He's a comforter. He is the power of God. He is God, thus the Trinity. He, you can trust him. And some people uh, freak out about the, uh, the Holy Spirit and, and don't really understand him. That's, all, that's okay. That's okay. Because God's presence is going to move in each one of our lives and help us understand who he is and what he's doing. He is sent to us as a comforter. He is the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he will come to guide us. He will come to guide us. Because when the Holy Spirit is working in us, he is working to make us stronger. He's working to make us better. So here's my first thought to really help us understand how do we really surge into what God is trying to do in our lives this morning. We're better together through his guidance. We are better together collectively and individually through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that is in our life. Now, the first thing you need to understand about guiding is that guidance means you're not there. So if you're worried about, oh, man, I'm not there. I don't know. No, 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 no. He guides. Guidance is all about taking us where we're at and bringing us to where we need to be next and where we need to be the next day and where we need to be the next day. That is the power of the Holy Spirit to take us and say, come on. This is how you go. This is where you go. Guiding is all about aiming in the right direction. If you don't know the right direction, if you're trying to think, oh, this is maybe this is truth. Maybe this is right. Maybe, maybe I need to believe this. The Holy Spirit, working with the Word and the power of God, guides us, guides us into the right way and will not, it will not leave us. You see, some people think, or just wish, I think. They just wish, hey, I'm here. I wish I'm just going to stay here until God puts me there. God doesn't translate very much. Sometimes he does. You think, well, he translated Philip. You ever heard the story of Philip? Philip was a disciple, and God translated him after he baptized a new convert and moved him to where he needed to be, and we sort of feel that spiritually. God, I want that. <laughs> Just translate me. Just beam me up, God. <laughs> we think that long before Star Trek came around, God was beaming people all over the place. But this is what you need to understand about that. Before Philip was translated and was all of a sudden went from there to here, God said, God led him. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and said, I want you to go down alone on a dusty road and just walk, and I'll tell you what you find. <laughs> now, is it, that's not the kind of guidance we like, is it? No, no, no. We want to plan. We want to organize. We want to, what's next? What am I trying to do after I get there? We, we want to lay it out, you know. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just says, Philip, I just want you to go. 
Just go. So Philip walked a long time down a very dusty, dirty road all by himself before God ever did any of that uh, moving and translating from like that. And so we have to be willing to walk down that path too. We have to be willing to trust God. We have to be willing to follow him. So you're lost in the woods and you don't know which way to go. You got, you're on a trail and you're just watching God and God is just speaking to you and you just all, all of a sudden you go, wow, I have no idea where I'm at. You are lost. The trees are so thick you can't even tell east from west and where the sun's at or anything, cloudy day, whatever. And you start to panic. <laughs> you see, when we get lost, we start to panic. I, I don't know what to do, God. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to work this out? How am I supposed to get through this? And we start to panic a little bit. And we start, some fears start to come up. And this is you in the, in the woods. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> you know, some ranger comes in and he knows. He knows. He knows where you're at. He knows where you're going. He knows. He knows. He knows. He says, I've been doing these, these woods since I was a little boy. I know every leaf. I know everywhere. I know I, I can get you out of here. I can take you from where you're at and get you to where you need to be. You just got to follow me. Mm. Because what if he says, now, first thing we're going to do is we're going to walk up this really, really tall hill. You think, I don't want to walk up that hill. I want to get out of here. I'm already tired. I'm already lost, and you're going to walk up, you're going to have me walk up the hill. But he knows that's the way out, and the way out sometimes is up tough hills or lonely valleys or thick bush. That's, I believe, important for us to understand about the Holy Spirit guidance. God will always lead us. We can trust him. Sometimes, though, we find ourselves on what I call inevitable roads, I'm just living God. I'm just trusting. I'm just trying to be right. And all of a sudden, I'm on this road, and it's hard. It's difficult. I don't know how I got here. I don't know why I'm supposed to get out. I don't know which way to go. God, you seem to be silent. Do you ever feel that way? How do I get out of this? How do I do this? Reminds me of a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus was walking with his disciples. Just a good old day walking into the city. But coming out of the city was a widow carrying her only son who had passed away. He was on, it was a processional to the graveyard. It was an inevitable road. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, her son was dead. She had to go to the graveyard. It was inevitable. There was no other, it's not like he was just struggling and he was barely alive. He was dead and probably dead for a while because they had to prepare the body and such. They were on the way to the graveyard. He, they were on the way to bury him. And they were coming out. <laughs> but Jesus was going the opposite direction. And Jesus, I love the story. If you read it, take time to go and look it up. It says that Jesus saw her and his heart went out to her. He had compassion on her. That's our God. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us. And I'll show you that connection a little bit later, how strong that is. So Jesus sees her and walks up and does what is absolutely forbidden. He put his hand on the pallet. You can't touch a, a, a pallet because that would make him unclean, and he couldn't go into the city for seven days. But you see, Jesus is clean. <laughs> he, he, he is not just, he, he hasn't become clean. He is cleanness. He is wholeness. He is healing. He is all these things. So when he touched it, it wasn't dead anymore. <laughs> It wasn't a death pallet anymore because all of a sudden he touched that pallet and he spoke to that son and he set up. And then the Bible says in a most beautiful way, he presented 
him to the mother. See, she was on an inevitable road coming to the graveyard, and all of a sudden, God allowed U-turns. God, God allowed to turn it around. God made it made a, a turn all of a sudden, and they went in celebrating. Because don't you think they were a little bit excited? Come on now. Don't you think they had a little bit of joy in their heart thinking, he was dead, now he's alive. And they were excited. They were ready to go into the city and celebrate. And what maybe at the home, they were all sitting around preparing for the memorial, preparing to, you know, you know, the, those things of you eat the little sandwiches and you comfort the family, and, and those are appropriate, but not anymore. <laughs> That's not appropriate anymore because what turned out to went from a funeral turned into a celebration, a party, just life. And that's what Jesus does. That's what the Holy Spirit does, is he takes our inevitable roads that lead to death and destruction. And if we follow him, if we're sensitive, if we understand they went out, I think she felt probably very alone coming out of the city. And going back in, she felt like, man, this is it. People were excited. They're around her. Her son was alive. There was community. And we need to understand that's what the Holy Spirit's working. That's what God wants to do in your life is build that community, that relationship, because we're better together at his guidance and we're better together through Jesus. It's always about Jesus. <laughs> and and I, I never apologize for just having this, this thought or this point in any message because over and over what we need to preach, what we need to teach, what we need to understand about our relationship with each other, about growing in God is always about Jesus. He's in every verse. He's in every book of the Bible. He's in every aspect. He's in every theology. It's always, always, always about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So we've become better together through Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done. As a church, we are community cubed. Community cubed, that is who we are. That means the infusion of everything that God has done through the, his, through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Spirit. We are stronger. We are better together because of what God has done. And, and let me just show you an, another three because every church, no matter how you break it down, every community, every ecclesia, every community cube, God, get me, every, everyone has three components. There's all kinds of different aspects of this or forms of it, but everything has to have three components. It has to have worship. It has to have word, and it has to have witness. That's who we are. Another three. We have to have worship because that worship focuses us toward God, <laughs> focuses to everything that God is doing, focuses and says, it's not me, it's not my power. But it also has to have word, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God. He is the breath of God, and, and the word is the truth. And so we have the word, we have the life, uh, and we also understand that every aspect has to have witness. We have to tell somebody. He says becoming his disciples means that we become a witness to tell someone about the worship, about the word, about the witness, in every aspect of what God is trying to do in our life. Now, if you have worship and you have witness, then you're just a big party because without the word, there is no truth. But if you, if you have word and you have witness and you don't have worship, you don't have the spirit, you don't have life, you don't have all that. Or if you're just uh, worship and word and you don't have witness, then it's just you four and no more. See how every part has to be there. That's who we are, community, cubed. That's who we are. That's what God wants in your life, worship, word. And witness. It all plays out. Jesus goes on in verse 14. Let me read that to you. In, in chapter 16, 
He says, he will glorify me, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was sent. It was poured out on the church. The church became, went from an, uh, an assembly to the ecclesia, to the body of Christ. And all of a sudden, they were infused by the Holy Spirit. But what did the Holy Spirit come to do? He will glorify me. He will glorify Jesus. Always, 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 it's about Jesus Christ. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Did, did you realize that? When the Holy Spirit is guiding us, when the Holy Spirit, because they are God, they, they are one, when the Holy Spirit is leading you, when the Holy Spirit is speaking and guiding to you, Jesus says, that's me. That's me. That's what it means to have Jesus in our hearts. That's what it means to be filled with God's Spirit, is that Jesus is guiding us. He's speaking of me. He's pointing to me and pointing everybody. Jesus, cross, salvation, change, life eternity with God. That's what it always, always, that's what it's always pointing to. Jesus is everything, and in, in, in is everything. He, he is, he is that, that song we were singing about, that beat we were singing about. There's something in musicals and in movies, it's real, real common now in movies, called uh, uh, the, the light motif. The light motif, and you think, well, what does that mean? The light motif is any small uh, set of notes that reoccur over and over within a within a, um, a musical, within a play, within within a, a movie, over and over again. That allows you to be remembered of what that what's coming or or what what is this really all about? Let me give an example. So we'll play a little game. Ready? Come to church and play a game. And here it is. I'm going to give you a short little um, notes with my very limited musical talents, but you just have to suffer through it. And you have to figure out where is it from. Are you ready? All right. So this isn't this isn't uh, you know buzzer where you shout it out, but but you can if you want. It's like that. Try to figure it out. Where is this from? Bum 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 bum. Who said it? Beethoven's fifth. There it is. Okay, got some one cultured person here. Okay, so. <laughs> That, so that goes all through it. That's not just one part. It's secretly put all through it, all through it, all through it. And every time, it just keeps reminding us. Now we'll do one that brings us a little bit more uh, up to date. You ready? <coughs> bum, 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 bum. Oh, Star Wars. Not just Star Wars. What is it? Darth Vader. Anytime you hear that, something bad's going to happen. Somebody bad showing up, it's over and over and over again. You don't even need to see the person. You just hear the music go, uh-oh, uh-oh. Somebody bad or somebody, uh, either Darth Vader or someone re representing him in Star Wars or something bad is, is about to happen because it's just, it's just there. It just, it just it reminds us of that. Let, let, me, let me do one more, right? Uh-oh, I forgot it. Okay, here we go. Why is it like that? Bum, 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 bum. Jaws, there we go. So the amazing part about that, do you realize that? Do you realize that when they were doing that, it was, okay, Jaws is pretty old. And so they didn't have CGI, they didn't have special graphics, they didn't have any of that. So they didn't want to show the jaw, the shark too soon because everyone would go, wow, that's not scary. They wanted to wait to the end. So 
so the first part of the whole movie in the first challenge, you never saw the shark. All you heard was that beat coming over and over. And you knew the shark was there. You knew what was about to happen to some swimmer who was clueless out there, was about to be a goner because the, the music was there. Now, why did I say all this? Because I believe with all my heart that Jesus is our limit motif. He is what goes over and over and over and over again in our heart. He is the beat. He is the beat. If the Holy Spirit is the tune, the, the varying notes, the very beats, over and over, that's always about Jesus. And, and the question is, what kind are you, what are you listening to? You know, there, years ago there was this WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And that was real cool, and you wear your bracelets, and, you know, that was cool back in those days. Don't mock me. There may be something you think is really cool now that your grandkids are going, are you kidding me? You did that. I'm so sure. <laughs> I don't know why they'd be a valley girl. But anyway, the point is that that was cool back then. But I think, I think maybe we had a different, there should be a different twist on it. Because my, my godly aunt came up with something I thought was always so profound. It wasn't WWJD. It was W-A-I-T. Wait, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Because WWJD is really about understanding, well, Jesus did this, so what should I do? No, no, no. Jesus is in us. We are community. We are together with Christ. So it's not, what am I thinking? Am I thinking like Christ is thinking? Is this what it's really all about? And that beat, that tone has to be, that community has to be in everything, in your life, in your business, in your marriage. Do you know it takes three to get married? And I'm not talking about some weird thing that the world does now. (laughs) It takes three. It's always about the, uh, the husband and the wife. I said it. There it is. It's always about the husband and the wife, and one more. Even the, the minister, when he's up there, represents God. And I'm convinced, I know you have to work through things, and you have to deal with things, and you have to work all kind of things, but I'm convinced if we just keep that beat in our marriage, keep that beat, keep the, uh, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, it changes everything. Do you hear the beat? Come on. Do you hear the beat? Are you sensitive? Is that what you're listening to? Let me just end with this. Because I believe what's important to understand is that we're better together because, watch this, we see the better. What does that mean, we see the better? What is that really all about? You see, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to give you hope just so you have hope, but to give us hope so that we can see that hope in other people that we can actually see better. I love Hebrews 6, 9. Look what it says real quick. In Hebrews 6, 9, it talks about understanding how we see other people. We are convinced of better things in your case. (laughs) So the ministers were saying, hey, hey, for you, I see better things, things that have to do with your salvation. I see, I know you're struggling here, and they were struggling. I know you're weak here. They were willing. Hebrews is all about some Christian Jews that are going to go back to Judaism. And just go back to the Old Testament, forget the New Testament. That's what Hebrews is all about. And the, he knew that. He says, I see that, but I see something better. I know God has something better. I know there's a salvation for you. I see that better. We have to be willing to do that. And the word there, convinced, literally means persuaded. The Holy Spirit is here to persuade you, not, in, not only that you can be better, but understanding if we're going to surge forward, forward, if we're going to be stronger, that surge has to be understanding how we see other people and how we treat other people. In Mark chapter 9, the, 
the disciples were all excited. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, <laughs> we, we did something really good because that's who we are. That's the way we roll. We're good. See, we saw some guys out there and they were casting out demons. They were actually doing it. They were casting out demons in your name. But I didn't know them. They didn't look like us. They didn't smell like us. They didn't behave like us. They, they, weren't, they weren't us. So we stopped them. Why? Because they weren't us. Oh, <laughs> Jesus goes, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. You got that wrong, guys. You got that all wrong. You didn't do good. What you did was, was actually harmful. Because anyone that's not against us is actually for us. And see, what the world has done is they turn that around. And we hear that wrong. Because we hear it as, if they're not for me, they're against me. Uh-uh. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, there are people out there that you may not know, that you may not even agree with everything that they do. Uh-oh, I'm going to step on some toes now. But this is what we need to understand about community, about being together, about functioning together. You see, it's so easy to, instead of adopting the community cubed, adopt the critical attitude of the world. This comes and says, well, you're not like me. Because you don't behave like I do. You don't look just like me. You don't believe just like I do. And so I won't have any part of you. That's the world critical spirit that cannot be in our community, that cannot be as we are together. First Peter 2.1, I love this. It says, rid yourself, rid yourselves of all malice, of all deceit, of all hypocrisy. Now, we got those. Those are bad things. You don't want any malice. Got that. Don't want to do that. Or deceit or hypocrisy. And then he goes <laughs> and starts jumping on our toes, jumping on my toes. Any envy. Man, how often we, we respond. We don't even know it. We're responding out of envy. We're responding thinking, well, they're not like me. They're not like that. And, and then it goes on and it says, and any, any, rid yourself of all slanders of any kind, of all kinds, of the little snarky tweet, <laughs> of the Instagram of the little TikTok video, of a little different perspective. Don't slander anyone. Don't do that. That's not the critical attitude and the spirit that comes from us, that comes from God. That's not saying that we're, we're not to judge what's right and wrong. And, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we see things that are a little bit different, that we are uncomfortable with it, we don't understand, and we start pushing it away. See, I, there was a joke growing up that, that I heard often. It says, I love them. I just don't have to like them. I just don't want to be around them. And that's not, that's not community. That's not community. Community is under cubed, is undertaking this ecclesia that God has done and bringing us to a, infusing us with a whole different level. Jesus told a parable. Let me, let me end with this. And Jesus said, okay, let me tell you a story. There's a story of there's a big wheat field and this enemy came and planted weeds in it. And the servant said, hey, should we tear out all these weeds? Should we get rid of these weeds? No. Don't, don't do that. And they said, why? That's crazy. Look what Jesus said in verse 39 of Matthew 13. No, do not. Do not. And he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Jesus' point is, do you know the wheat from the weeds? Can you see every heart? Do you know every dynamic of what's going on? Or maybe in God's kingdom they're a weed now, but maybe I'm making them a weed. <laughs> maybe I'm going to take them and transport them. Can you do that? It's crazy. I'm going to give you 
I'm going to give you, according, because Jesus explained that one thought that you might sound odd to your ears, but listen carefully. Because I think there has to be room among the church for the world. There has to be. Because that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, at the end of the age, I'll take care of it. And the wheat will be carried in, and the wheat and the weeds I'll destroy. God, there will be that. There will be judgment. Meanwhile, what do we do? We grow up together. Because you don't know what God can do. You don't know the witness that you can have in someone's life. You don't know the power of what God's going to do. Community Cubed is it's changing the way we think. It's changing the way we respond to one another. And I believe more than anything, it's what's going to surge us forward into everything that God's trying to do in our life, in your life, and what God's trying to do in your life. Come on, let's do that. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Say, God, lead us and guide us and speak through me. Speak in me. He's got only good for you. You can trust him. He will lead you to the right path. You can believe in him. And as a community, we're stronger together. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, allow your presence and your power to speak to each one of us. God, if there's anyone that doesn't have a right relationship with you, with who you are, I pray right now that the heart would melt, the hardness would fall aside, and the repentance would take over. God, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Make us new and right in a right spirit. A spirit that loves and that cares and is not critical of, of others because they're different, but allows you to work in their life and use us to work in their life, to be not only the worship, in you the word, but in you the witness as well. God, I thank you for that, for every single person. Amen, amen, amen. Do you receive God's word this morning?